Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Never the Emptiness. This one's a special one. It's an extra. We're going to be talking about a new play that I wrote and someone next to me co-directed. Uh, we have Victoria Collado with us today, and we're going to be talking about Hashtag Graced. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Vane. Do you miss me from seeing me literally every second of every day? Every second of every day. So for those of you who do not know, let's give you a little overview of what's happening right now. So I have a play, meaning I, a play that I wrote called Hashtag Grace that's at the Arch Center that Abre Camino Collective has co-produced with Zoetic Stage at the Arch Center. And Abre Camino Collective is myself and Victoria Collado next to me. And Vicky Collado is also the co-director of this. So we're going to be talking about plays as families. Because it really is building families constantly and staying stuck with them forever. Truly. There are two things, right? Like building a play is two things. It's a nest for a moment, but then that nest sometimes stays with you forever. You know, uh, after the opening weekend of the show, part of like watching that family grow uh, is that we had a bunch of our old castmates, our old family members like Randy Garcia and Gabriel Bonilla come spend time with us. And it really does feel like family. Like every time I hug Randy... Uh, we have like this deep love for each other and it just feels like you're hugging your brother. You're, you're hugging your family because you go through so many things together that that nest is, is it's a pretty tight one. So those are castmates from other productions that we've done as Aura Camino Collective. Let's talk a little bit about what Hashtag Graced is about. I'm going to let you introduce it, Vicky, <laughs> and then I'll take it, you know, I'll add to it. But what do you, what is Hashtag Graced about? This is all the pressure because this is where you're like, should I have let you co-direct this? <laughs> Hashtag Graced is a play about a Cuban-American woman at the wheel going on a road trip in search for the real America. And on the way, she finds a wayward nun, a questioning teen. She gets some people into trouble. She gets herself into trouble. And underlying all of that, she's also finding the story of her histories, like her family, her mom's story. And what I love about this play is that one, there's an unusual suspect at the helm of this road trip. Usually it's like a real cool dude with like a dog, like driving around America but we're putting a Cuban-American little loquita like me on the road. And it's just like a new way to, to, to view where we are at right now as, a, as an American society. Check. Am I still hired? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what, what it's about. It's fun. It's funny. And it's also serious, right? So it's, it's this play that, as Catherine says, means a lot to me and to us, I think, because we're talking about what it means to be American right now, which is really this giant question. And then it gets filtered through this, this very particular lens. So I think the first thing we should talk about is how exactly, and I think this is a director you can talk best to, which is how do we create these nests? Because you actually have to create the families. And we've been, we've all been on productions where there, the nest has not gelled, where there are little twigs sticking out and poking people yeah. from that nest. You know what I mean? Like, but with our nest and I'm not being like a, a not to brag or anything, I feel like our Abre Camino nests are always really nice and tight. And I think you have a lot to do with that. I mean, a central part is the, your ensemble building. So for those of you that don't know, Vicky is really good at building ensembles. And I want you to tell us how you do it. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the primary job of a director is to make sure that everybody 
it's not necessarily that everybody has to like each other, but that they respect each other enough to allow each other to do their work. And so I think the first part is casting. We tend to pick people who are not only really talented, but that we see are, are good human beings that are invested in doing things that we attract a certain group of people and those people become part of the cast. And then I think the rehearsal process is my favorite part because that first week is really where you set the tone. I like to make it fun. I want to make sure that everybody feels heard but knows what the rules are because I feel like sometimes you can be a little bit of a pushover. Not you, but like me, like it can be a pushover situation. So you have to like set the tone really quick. But, you know, people are like dogs sniffing each other's butts for the first week. And they're like, who are you? Can I trust you? And then the maintaining of that family is hard. We, you know, we've maintained a couple families and it's, it's a lot of work. Like some families are meant to last three weeks and some of them are meant to last eight months. And life happens and people go through a lot of things and fights stir up and that's all natural. But I think sometimes we play a lot of coach. And, you know, I think the thing that happens in the bubbles of productions, which is that, you know, like we all know this, we, we watch or we see all these magazines and we see what happens online and all these like, you know, chismoseria that happens in, you know, TV romances and like romances that last as long as a show lasts because it really is a bubble that is created and you get confused. Like there's moments where you forget that that character is not the person, it's the character. So you start to like, you know, people fall in love with characters and then you're like, oh wait, that's not you. That's right, this other person's you. And so like this whole bubble gets created and then sometimes that bursts, but sometimes that creates a lot of tension and it creates a lot of human error and it creates a lot of things. I mean, it's not, it has not not been said that people have affairs, that people have all kinds of things that happen on, on sets. You know what I mean? So that has not happened in our set. I will say I'm not talking about this production. <laughs> so we don't need to start rumors within the breaking of the rumor thing. <laughs> That's not happened. Anyway, the point is that a lot happens and there's all this space for sabotage and self-sabotage because people bring their own baggage and then they add it to the character and then the character has baggage and then that's added to the thing and there's all this confusion and then there's a lot of stress because you have to put on a massive production. You have to make sure you get it right. You have a lot of pressure. Tech is like three seconds long. Tech is when the, when the technology is added. <laughs> <laughs> when the when the lights and sound and all the things are added to the thing you've been rehearsing. And so it's like stressful, right? Can you talk a little bit about these sabotaging, self-sabotaging yeah. things that happen? They do happen. And, and beyond the fact that we're saying we keep a pretty tight ship in the sense of like, we try to nip that stuff in the bud. Part of it is that with theater, it's really hard to show the other person on the other side that you're guiding, which you and I always tend to be on the side of guiding, right? Like you've guided us with a script and you kind of said, this is this is the lay of the land. This is the where we're going to go. And then I have to guide these actors and a, and a design team headed towards where that landscape is and making that thing come to life. Something that happens is just trust, right? There's a, there's a certain trust that people who have worked with us multiple times and we tend to do crazy things. So we're never, it's never like cookie cutter. It tends to be something always a little bit weirder than it should be, which is kind of magical that people trust us enough to be like, I have your best intention. Mm -hmm. Like I have all my love and attention on you and you are safe that I'm going to take care of you. And so that trust is number one. The other thing is, you know, in moments you mentioned tech, 
tech is the most hectic part. I always give this speech and you always hear me say the speech. Mm -hmm. This is the moment, right? The rehearsal right before tech, we're like, this is the moment where you all make a choice where you either come in together as a group or you start going every man for himself, which never works. So stay calm, stay focused, help your other team members out, like the design team who only has a day to put their work up. Let's come together and focus. And, you know, I, I know that I can never break a sweat in front of the actors. It can never happen. We've been through some crazy things. Like we've teched a show that was massive in six hours and because it had to be done in those six hours. And it was like, nobody has to see that I'm freaking out inside. Or it's not freaking out. It's just like, you know, that it has to get done. So there are you, the mind, I think, to your this very long-winded answer to this is the the mind, I think, is where the sabotage, where the silence enters and the questioning and the insecurity. And, and is someone lying to me? Is someone being truthful to me? And that comes from everybody's life that you can't control. If it were up to me, I would make everybody's life perfect and and nice and cozy. So they came in and just did their job. I think the trust thing is the biggest thing because it's this thing where you as the writer first and then the directors and then like stage management and then designers and then like all these layers of people that are like cued in to the big picture little by little. And it's like the actors just have to trust that there is this bigger picture that there is because they're going into minutia moments like they're going into scene, scene by scene. Go, They're looking at the bigger picture of the narrative, but they don't really see. They cannot see what you're actually doing behind the scenes with in the even bigger picture of the production and the even bigger picture of storytelling, because sometimes it takes a minute to get that, you know. So like my biggest problem when I've had one is when there isn't that trust. So I'm glad that you brought it up because it's like, wow, that is everything in a thing because when they don't have it, you're like, please trust that this is so much bigger and can we please just go into this part? And that they literally never, especially in theater, they never actually get to watch the play. They never, ever, ever get to watch the play with them in it, right? Like even if a st understudy went in there, it's a different show. So they have totally, they, they're walking blind the whole time my mentor Tony Tacconi said to me you they audition for you first and then in the first 30 minutes you have 30 minutes to gain their trust they make a decision whether they can trust you or not whether you know what you're doing whether in that first conversation you have to build it immediately and he's totally right because if you don't build it there it's it, it's like teaching in that the other thing that goes behind like into this little puzzle is there are all the things that happen that you don't like. You're like, oh, that's fine. That part's fine. That part's fine. That part's fine. It's all the behind the scenes things that you're not worried about where you're like, you know what? That's where people are actually doing their jobs. Because if I don't have to worry, if I'm like, oh my God, that lighting cue sucked, you know, or what was that sound or what was whatever, then you start to worry. But if you're not worrying about all of that is because the sound designer, which in our case was Matt Corey, which was the producer of this podcast, is doing their job because Tony, the lighting designer is doing their job because you know what I mean? Like those things that you do not, that you're like, I'm not worrying about this is because those people are doing their job and those people never get credit. Those people never get the credit that they deserve ever, ever, ever. And they always solve a ton of problems. My favorite thing about designers in general, um, another Tony Tacconi, not Tony Galaska, the lighting designer, but Tony Tacconi uh, thing that he always said to me was, we'll say who Tony 
Oh, Tony Tacconi was, um, uh, he's the director of Latin history for morons, which I was the, his assistant, uh, assistant director in, um, on the show that was first at the public and then at, on Broadway. And he was really like, I want to say like my first real mentor when it came to directing, because usually you just like go do things and like you assist somebody and then you're kicked out. And, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to trust an, an AD, but he trusted me a lot and we learned a lot. And so one thing that he, the other thing that he said to me was work with people who are smarter than you. And it goes back to the trust. Like I trust that Mark Corey is much smarter than me at sound design. It would be a problem if I didn't feel that right. Like an example, not to put Matt on the spot, but an example, I was like, I think we need something there. Like we were, we gave him a note of like, can you just extend that part? Can it be that? And he's like, no, it's actually this. And it was 10 times better, but it's that trust that you build with each other to be like, Hey, I know that I need something and I know that you're going to make, I'm, this is not a prescription. This is legitimately like a toss there and you're going to serve it back they don't get the credit they solve half of our problems things are better because the truth is the only time you notice them is when they're bad meaning that's when you notice and you're like oh meaning when the world is like you know what i'm saying like so so the the irony of all ironies is when they're really good nobody has to say anything except like you know there are of course of course moments where you're like oh my god you know, but you don't, you don't because it's just the world. It's the world and people don't realize who to credit for that stuff. You know what I mean? It's also true with actors. It's like my first acting teacher said, when you say, wow, that actor's really good, they're actually doing a bad job because what you should be feeling, and and I think I've noticed this happen with Graced a lot, hashtag Graced, is that people kind of get so invested in these characters and are getting so invested in the story. Like there's this particular scene where everybody just like, <gasps> And I could see, like, you know, as us, we usually sit in the back and are watching the audience also react. The group has done a good job of just allowing them immerse themselves in the story and do that. And that just takes a lot of work. I think one of the things that we've been talking about a lot on this show is that it has been one of the most joyful rooms to be in as we have been rehearsing. And that is a real thing as we've gone along. Um, I will add one thing, like, at the beginning, we were in this moment of like total joy. And I don't know if you want to add to that, Vicky, but it was like, oh, it just felt really good. I don't know if it was just because like, oh, this play was being put put on. It was it's getting put on in this great place. Zoetic Stage gave us the opportunity. Like we were given the trust by people like Stuart Meltzer and Michael McKeever and, you know, like people within that like trusted us to go in in a first time, you were the first directors, you and Sarah Hughes. So Sarah Hughes is the other director who was in New York at the very beginning of it came down and then they co-directed together. So there's this like, I want you to talk in a second about like co-directing or co-parenting as you called it earlier. But there's this like, you know, there was this joy in the room at the beginning, at least for me, it felt really good. And then there was a moment of complete tragedy that happened in the group, which was, um, you know, someone that we know and that was assisting. And we're not going to talk a lot about it because we don't have permission to, and it feels too close, but someone passed away that was very, very, very close to someone. And that really, I think Sarah said it best when she shared the information with the group, which is like, just hug the people you love, tell them and hug the people you love because at any moment, that can disappear. And um, that did happen in this group, you know, and it was really kind of like a 
punch in the face, I think, for for a lot of people because that person was young and a lot of people knew him. And so, uh, and that has happened to us, you know, once before. And it's just like these families that you build and that you're with. And then there was also a moment that we were talking about like feeling guilt for having taken away the, the time of that person from their loved one because they were with us, you know, rehearsing. But you know, it is also just what we do, you know. But anyway, through working around and through that, it's just like it's very much life and the death that comes alongside of life that's happening at the same time. And that was there, you know. I don't know if you want to say anything. Uh, Sarah also mentioned it, that the community in itself, you know, the community is a nest, right? And I think you could see how it affects everybody because you spend so much time with the people you create work with i'm it's also true of anybody who goes to an office but i think we are so with each other at all times we're so in a same room working on one thing together it's not like you and i spend a lot of time together just even just you and i right i mean you're like my sister so it's 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 hard not to build a family and when that happens you just you just feel it. You feel you feel everybody rush towards each other. Whatever BS happens, because it's theater and it, everything feels high stakes, a lot of drama, a lot of emotions. But at the end of the day, you go through what feels like war together. It's not war, but it feels like war. You feel like you go through so many things that there's this undeniable bond that you create with each other, which is why when these moments happen, you feel like a piece of you has has disappeared and also then the knowledge that you have to keep going i think that that's one of the hardest things of like and we have to keep going because in that sense that idea of the show must go on is not just a cliche it's actually that life has to go on and that it's the biggest example of where theater is actually a microcosm for life like it really is like it in that sense because it just it has to it's literally the thing is that you have to be alive, you are alive, and every day leads to the next, until it doesn't, literally, you know? One of my inspiration songs, I'm obsessed with it, but now I'm like, like in my playlist before we did Hashtag Graced, was uh, Till You Can't by uh, Cody, it's a country song, um, that actually, Orlando Mendez, who is in our Moonshine song, that's part of the song, uh, part of the play, um, he introduced me to, and the song really is like, uh, love everybody till you can't um, hug people till you can't tell the love the girl that you're after now because there's going to be a moment that you can't you know all of this stuff and I feel like that is very much the nature of the play itself the play itself builds a nest and the play itself is like just keep going until you can't I also feel like it's like one of the things that we feel is such high stakes with the play in the sense of like the play is very much about the US and America right now it is this complicated love letter to the country and it's the space that it's at and it's it's definitely complicated so it's n in no way easy but neither is love you know so or democracy or any of the things that we're talking about in this thing and all of that sort of tries to like fight its way through the surface of the of the play and it's all on purpose so like i always say like the thing that you don't want to hear that like, artistic directors don't want to like hear you say right is is um kind of want to leave them saying what and it's not bad it's because it's a question that you're 
left with and then you know you either go home and you figure it out or it like plays out in your brain or it starts like clicking in your head in some way or in the conversations that you have after and that's a good thing i think we get used to the easy way of art being this thing that you like oh here's this little ribbon at the end thanks so much for doing the work for me and it's like actually not always should it do that you know, and sometimes you need it because you need that sense like a, a, a society or a community needs that sense of like, please give me a bow or I'm going to freaking die. Give it to me. Give it to me or I will die. And sometimes you need to be like, guess what? I'm going to untie all your bows. No bows for you. No bows for you. <laughs> you have to go and just deal with that. All those strings, which is, you know, also what social media is and what this play is about. So that is super important and it's uneasy. I feel bad for the actors in this sense because there is an unease that comes along with that in an audience and the audience, the best part is that they laugh, but the unease that happens is like, are we doing a good job? And it's like, yes, yes, you are. You just have to follow it. Follow the steps that we're given and this in the end will work out. It, you're doing a good job, you know? What's that story? where uh, the guy's walking in front of his wife and he can't turn around because if he does, she turns Orpheus. to Orpheus. It, it very much is that sort of like, <laughs> can I trust this? 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 And you have to say yes, because I think that what I love about this play is that the bow is never tied because life doesn't have a bow on it. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not like, oh, you got married and then the bow is tied. It's like, no, and then you have to deal with marriage and maintaining that marriage and maintaining that family and maintain like there's never actually a bow. The actual end is actually pretty sad. <laughs> or not. Or not. But it's funny that you say that because and this is where I'm like, you know what? It all goes in the thing. Even if you don't realize that it's going in the thing. I feel like the beginning of this moment this particular moment of like 21st century literature kind of moment for me in my head started with a visit from the goon squad, which has for me Orpheus in the set, like this whole thing of that, that myth in the middle, but it's about music and IP and like getting older and getting older in the face of like having grown up with punk, you know what I mean? And like all of that stuff together. And that book, won the Pulitzer. I think it was the Pulitzer, one of them, National Book Award Pulitzer. Check it. You know, don't quote me. Just look it up. But it's it's a really good book. And the point is that a lot of the things in that particular book, I feel like are being played out like more and more and more. And there's a bunch of really nerdy things that Vicky has to hear me talk about that I'm like, don't tell the actors, you know? <laughs> well, it's some of my favorite stuff. It's also because it's so... So at the beginning of the play, there's a moment and maybe they'll hear the podcast and then they'll find out what it is. But there's a moment where Kat, the protagonist of the play, she's trying to find the perfect shot. She's trying to get this perfect shot. She's trying to kick off this trip like on the right foot. She can't get it. She can't get it. She gets the guy to turn off, take off his shirt. Like this whole thing happens. And she's like, I don't know what to do. She goes and she turns on. She turns on America by Simon and Garfunkel. And, you know, it says, let us be lovers. We'll marry our fortunes together. I've got some real estate here in my back. Whatever. The point is that it says it's like four lines of the song before and the cigarettes and all of that. And if you really pay attention to the play, all those things are embedded through the play. It's a sweet little hidden Mickey. Other people call it Easter eggs where it's just planted at the top. And if you're really paying attention, you're like, Oh my God, or you just enjoy the moment. And so those are the things that we get, like you get so excited, like 
talking about it and and it's it's fun to watch you be like and then this and then this and then this that that it's just like fun <laughs> which is also like a trust exercise that you're like okay there are all these things that the first time an audience sees something is not gonna get and then there's some of it that one person's gonna get and then the other there's all these layers of who's gonna get what and you know we go into plays differently and how we receive information is different you know but um I do think that that writers do this thing where like you've put so many layers or at least some writers put so many layers in a thing that the hope is that they get sort of peeled back and they're never they never usually get peeled back the first time the thing goes out because it actually takes a minute. Even when you like read reviews of books and things and you hear the writers talk about particular moments, it actually, I almost wonder if it takes as long to unravel and decipher than it did to ravel and create, you know? So construction and deconstruction takes a similar amount of time probably deconstruction takes a little less time, but like that whole thing, actually that conversation is longer than the moment that you're in the theater, longer than the moment that you read a thing, longer than that. And we just have to remind ourselves of that because we live in a moment where we're like, the surface, the surface, the surface, you know? And it's, we're receiving information very quickly. Even beyond that, there's even a much deeper surface, but whatever, you know, and like there's much, yeah. And that I think that, that people forget that sometimes plays, books, music, they're a nugget that gets placed way before and it isn't until later that it kind of explodes in your brain you're like <gasps> or you get you get thrown back to to a moment uh, of it later or like oh i understand that now yeah. it's like you kind of have to bake it for a second um but we want the instantaneous like right now it has to happen i love when audiences start to put things together or have like three thoughts that are like oh, i just had this epiphany of a thing and obviously that's the goal of the thing that you want the audience to actually do it right? To actually do the work. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the work of co-directing yes. because it's like, you know, I, I've, I've been a co-writer on things and that relationship is always different. So far, thankfully, I have had really good relationships. Um, but co-direction is totally different. Like, how do you work in the room? And I'm just going to speak from a writer's perspective, watching Vicky and Sarah Hughes work together. So just to, uh, just to give a little background, Sarah Hughes has been with this play since it was developed at WP at the Women's Project Lab in 20, 2019 was the first year we started working together and then moving forward every year after that, we did something online, etc. And then Vicky came into this particular production and then we're going to all move forward. So like just talking about how that works together from the outside. I love it because I'm like, this is super cool. There's these two, like, honestly, talk about another moment where you don't see people don't get the credit. Like people have no idea what directors do. I know that I've said this before, but like they have no idea that it means like actually communication. It's not just communication and translation and constant coaching and like being the person who lifts everybody up every second. But it's also like, how do you also get that light to do a thing? And how do you get this to do? It's so many layers of things all the time. And it doesn't really stop throughout the whole production. People think that like writers and directors disappear, but then there's the constant notes that have to happen, you know, with new plays and new works. So from afar, watching Sarah be on like her the headset and like be like, no, that video this and da -da 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 -da, and like the constant exactitude that you want from a person and Vicky being like, no, on on the set, like, how about this? And giving the same note 
in 700 different ways to see which one lands with an actor or how they receive information. You're dealing with a lot of different receptive systems. You know what I mean? So like actually watching all those things happen at the same time, I'm like, wow, thank God this play was a co-direction for me watching the thing happen, but also how scary to go into it. First of all, at the end of this experience, and I'm sure it's also that not everybody's the same, but I will say that co-direction is my new favorite thing because there's moments where you feel (sighs) directing does sometimes feel like a lonely job. It's much more fun in a new play because the playwright and you are buddies, right? Like it does feel like you have something, but you become kind of like the central point you are the command center and then all things like things get inputted and has to be outputted the right way to all these people. And so first coming into co-direction, I was super nervous. Why? Because I'm a director and I like things a very, I'm very specific. I like things a certain way. I do things at a certain pace. And I was like super nervous of like, is there going to be a moment? I think I told you like, I'm like, if there's a moment where I'm being a total asshole, you have to tell me like you have to do not because I'm, I know that right now I sound like such a tyrant, but it's not, it's not that it's just like we're directors because we have opinions and we think that things should be a certain way. But thankfully, I think that both Sarah and I walked in. It's not that I think I know that we both walked in with like total investment, not only to the play, but total investment to each other and making sure that like neither one of us felt not hurt. Like meaning we both were committed to being heard and then that you got heard and that every actor got heard and that all the things happened. So the perk of that was that for the first time, there was someone who was literally looking at the job from the same point of view with a different mind, right? Like there was somebody, I'm like, am I going crazy? That's, that's, that's what this is, right? Like, let's, let's say there was a problem we encountered. I'm like, that's what that is. Yes, that's exactly what that is. So there's someone who's processing the moments the, from the same perspective as you for a second, which actors have with each other. They're always from the same, from the other side. It was so helpful. It was helpful to divide and conquer. I think that helped part of the joy because there was someone, you know, Sarah took on a lot of the, especially the, the video heavy things we worked together a lot. Like we would have a lot of meetings, but she led like having the conversations with the video designer and the tech time. And then I was in charge of making sure that all the actors got all the things. And that sort of division allowed us both to enjoy certain things more. And it gave like an extra person to be like, I I can't give that. No, you have to give that. No. And the understanding of like, there was like an extra set of tools. It's funny what happens, at least for me, like, for example, there has to be like, sometimes there just has to be a voice in the room that's giving the notes. Um, So I'm always like, turning to directors to be like, (laughs) it's like, it becomes this little like, but, but that's also interesting to gauge who receives information better from who, you know, and that also happens. So that was really interesting to be like, actually, this actor is better when you listen, when you say, and this one is better when you say it. So it's like fascinating. It's just personality, you know, it's more chances of doing well um, in this particular team. I would also say that for the first time ever, we got to hang out together during tech because I wasn't at the tech table. So we got to have conversations that we never get to have like you and I got to have like a boom, boom. And you got to tell me the things that you needed to tell. Yeah, no, but you had to tell me the things, stuff that usually just to explain to people really quick, just like tech is just the time where 
you know, the lighting designer, the sound designer, if there's a projection designer, all these hypotheses that they've had, they come into the space and then they have what we've had a month to work on. They have like a couple hours to get in place. So, you know, a director usually at that point is just totally focused on them so we can get through that part first so then the play can actually come together. And it's a hard thing with a new play because there's a lot of things that the playwright is seeing, but you're also like trying to get the thing done. And the moment of conversation yeah. we've had to work on of like, how do I make sure that I'm also listening to you while also pushing the, the project forward? And so because there was two of us, then we were able to have those moments where you totally were telling me the things that you were feeling. I'm like, okay, I know how to give that. No, I know where to go over here. Okay, I see what you're seeing. We're three steps ahead. I understood what Sarah was doing. So I knew where she was headed. I'm like, and now's where you sneak it in. So it was actually very helpful in general. I think it's very interesting. Like as with everything, it's such a very specific thing to put up a new play, you know, but it definitely is to get back to the nest, a nest and a family. And, you know, right now we're in it. We're in the thick of it with this little fledgling <laughs> and it's happening. Which is to say, we should probably tell these people where to go see it if you're going to, if you're listening to this and you're like, hmm, that sounds interesting. So the Adrian Arch Center of the Performing Arts, the Carnival Studio Theater, May 5th was the opening, Cinco de Mayo, and um, it closes on the 21st of May and it's Wednesday through Sunday. And you should buy your tickets at archcenter.org or follow us on at Graced Play on Instagram fantastic so i think that's it i think that's our special edition of hashtag graced so our, our fun little i don't know sideshow nest show so yeah that's it so thanks for listening and catch us next time on never the empty nest and thanks vicky for joining us thank you for having me <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>